0: Love, Talk Radio. Good
1: morning, good morning, everybody, and happy, happy, fabulous Friday to you all over the land. I'm so excited. You know, I love Fridays, but Thursdays are. Every day uh, of the week, Thursdays and Sundays, but we're here today and it's Friday and I have an excellent show scheduled for you, one that will, um, everybody can relate to it, whether you, you made a commitment to this or you've been thinking about it or you should or you're already actively pursuing this. So let me just tell you a little bit about our guest today. Christopher Sasha is a highly respected, healthy lifestyle consultant, successful male model, author, entrepreneur, and personal trainer whose um is like reading who's who and the business leaders and celebrities in the industry. He's the author of the recently released book, Transforming Your Lifestyle One Belief at a Time. And I'm telling you, his his life story is so amazing to me. He was voted by by his high school classmates most likely to to spend his life in jail. And I've never met anybody who was voted by their classmates most likely to spend their life in jail. Didn't even know that was a category. He graduated from high school with a 1.1 grade point average. And of course, he figures they just wanted to get rid of him. And he's probably right because um, he wasn't like a stellar student. But he had some – when I read it, I look at it, maybe he was a genius and people didn't know how to deal with him. And plus it was also he was defending himself. But uh, – so he did some time in the Navy thinking it would be like Top Gun, but he immediately found out that it was not. <laughs> so – and that was in his own words. He went to college, um, dropped out because he didn't want – he had to take remedial classes – Um, got his stuff together, found some menial jobs, went back to school, to a university, DePaul nonetheless. So this guy is amazing. He received a degree in finance. Yeah. He sabotaged his own success as a male model at first, did a stint with the um, honorable police officers who thought he'd done something wrong and called him on it, and um, that happened. So he's had some many, many, many um, good and bad things that happened in his life they based, of course, on um, decisions, and he'll talk about that. He's a very honest and transparent person. Everybody welcome Christopher Sasha to the Loretta McNary Live Show. Hi, Christopher Sasha. How about I just call you Sasha because I love that name.
0: That sounds great. Thank you, Loretta.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we we learned a lot about you in a little bit of time, and, you know, we can stop there and make some assessments, but why not stop there? Um, for a moment, because your career speaks for itself at this point.
0: At what point do you want to start at? Um, just,
1: you know, getting in trouble. Getting in trouble. <laughs> Give you the trouble.
0: Uh, there's a lot of it. Uh, actually, it, it all started when I was a kid, because my mother died when I was eight years old, and my father was an abusive alcoholic, and we were taking, there's five of us. I have three sisters and one brother. And when my mother died, she was the backbone of the family, and the whole family kind of deteriorated. My father went heavily into alcohol and kind of uh, trying to get away from reality because he just lost his wife and doesn't know how to take care of five children on his own. So we were taken away, and we were put in foster homes on my eighth birthday. And it was just a, being ripped away from everything that you know, and being bounced around in these foster homes, and no one really being able to uh, you not knowing how to deal with the foster parents because you don't know who they are, or going to the next school that you go to. It was uh, it was very traumatic, and it left a lot of emotional scars, scars that would last forever. In your entire life until you finally deal with them and it took me a long time to finally accept that I had to deal with the things that happened to me in my childhood to be able to move on and become a better person later in life but I didn't know that until maybe just a few years ago so along the way I've got I went into a uh, dangerously low self-esteem self-respect I have no self-worth I felt like all I deserved was misery and I started believing that because of the tape recorder in the back of my mind. And it kept telling me that I was worthless and I don't deserve love and I don't deserve friendships. And I started acting out what I started believing from the tape recorder in the back of my head. And that was mm-hmm. what was getting me in trouble all the time. But a lot of the other things coupled with that, because during the foster home years, you're bounced around all the time. You're, uh, I, th- I think it was like every six months we were we had a – Leave the foster home and move to a different foster home. And when I say we, my sisters were all in different foster homes. And for some reason, they kept me and my brother together. And I don't know why, but they did. And oh, so we different. at least we had each other. Yeah. I don't know how, I think my sisters had it rougher than I did because my brother and I, at least we had each other to, to count on. And uh-huh. that's, that was really powerful because my brother and I, our friend, our relationship, As brothers bonded even closer because of the experience that we went through and we had to rely on each other because there was nobody else to count on. And the thing with the foster homes is that some, most of the foster parents do foster care to supplement their income, and some of them were good parents and some of them were awful. And we got abused by several of them. And some of them, I have nothing but great things to say about them because they were very religious and family was important and they were trying to embed um, values and morals in us as we were trying to grow up in the short period of time that we were there. But because we knew that we were moving around uh, every six months, we really didn't, pay, we didn't respect and listen to the foster parents so we would run away we were getting in trouble at school we were getting fights at school we would do whatever we wanted because we really didn't have to answer anyone because it was time to move on again and it really took a toll because we i personally uh, took advantage of that and i'm like well i could do whatever i want so why not get in trouble why not study why not go to school so it uh kind of set the track for me early on in life of where I was going and mm-hmm. being bounced around with the foster homes, not only the foster homes, but also the schools and the emotional tears that you have from trying to make friends in the schools and this is as you're starting to make friends because you go into the school in the middle of the year and everybody knows everybody. You're the new kid on the block in there and you, yeah. you sort of know that you're in a foster home and all this going on. So you really get taunted. And our clothes came from the Salvation Army and the kids used to taunt us about that. So I would get upset and I would get in fights and trying to defend myself from being humiliated from other people in my in my mm-hmm. classes. And I was in the I was in a principal's office all the time and again i just i just didn't i didn't study and i didn't do anything with school i had no interest in it
1: so what was the um because you that went on for a while and i know that a lot of um adults who are listening to this who were maybe in similar situations and they can really relate to that and um my head is off to 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 students, I mean, to people who grew up in foster care, who didn't have like you know we see on TV the loving foster parents, and like anything else, there's good and bad in it. So, um, my hats off to those that were great foster parents, and that's a tough life for any kid. You know, you you lost your mother, your father wasn't able to take care of you, and now you find yourself in a situation where nobody loves you, nobody knows you, you're tossed back and forth. So of course, you know, you made some decisions that this is how it's gonna be for me. But you were able to turn it all around eventually, and, and that's what I want to talk about. And I think that right there will inspire our listeners to, to be more compassionate to others and also to pursue their dreams. So um, what was your turning point, though, Sasha? What, what was it? Because I think you said you were um, – were, were you arrested when you decided, hey, I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, it was
0: the, the last time that I was arrested and I was sitting in the jail cell and <laughs> there are no amenities in there. You have a steel bed and you have a concrete floor and that's it and it's cold. So you have no pillow, you have no uh, blankets. So you use your shoe as a pillow and you're freezing in there because they keep it cold for viruses. I'm trying to keep the virus, uh, uh, viruses down up, down. Yeah. But um, along the way, I was getting in a fight. That was my ammo. I was always getting in fights. And I was living with a couple of police officers at the time. And, again, I was just fortunate for them to come down to the police station and ask the arresting officers to forget about it. Just um, they'll bring me home and I won't get arrested again. But it was always every week I was getting arrested for about a year because I was getting involved heavily with alcohol. Um I was working as a bouncer and I was doing modeling in the in the during the day and it was, I was just around the wrong group of people at that time in my life and I wanted to belong so I did what everybody else did. And uh, okay. I didn't do any I didn't do heavily I didn't do drugs, but I did do a lot of alcohol and um when I was drunk the uh the hostile side of me, the anger side of me came out more mm-hmm. and I got yeah. in more and more fights because of that. And the way that I was being ridiculed at that time also. So I was always trying to defend myself and not have people make fun of me because it, that's what really hurt me the most is, is people making fun of me. Uh, I, yeah. My father beating me up along the way and, uh, mentally abusing me that didn't hurt as much as my own peers making fun of me and that's what really struck wow. me and the last time I was arrested I was again in a fight but this time my neither one of my roommates the police officers can get me out they're like okay he's in here like at least once a week sometimes two or three times a week he we need to keep him here so the name he How stayed old were you at the a while I was 22, 23, right around there.
1: Wow. uh-huh,
0: okay. Um, so I was in the uh, in the jail cell, and they told me that I had to stay for 24 hours. And I'm thinking, okay, 24 hours isn't so bad. Well, when you're in there and there's nothing around and you're in complete isolation, and you don't have anything to keep you preoccupied, anything to read or TV, time goes really, really, really slow.
1: And that's <laughs> when
0: uh, I'm like, what, what am I doing? I'm being arrested all the time. Is this? Do I want to spend the rest of my life in jail like my classmates told me I would? And I, that's the day. Sitting, it was really dark and I was freezing. I was huddled up in the corner sitting on the cold floor. And I was thinking, okay, I know I can go back to school. I have that at least. So why not do that and try to pursue something in life? I don't know what. But let's at least go to school, and then we can start making a a plan of where I'm going to go in life. So when I got out the next day, they let me out. It's called an I-bond, which means that I have to go to court when the court date is. And if I not show up in court, they come out and arrest me again, and I didn't want that again. So I showed up, and I got all that stuff behind me and i went back my actually i was adopted by a priest along the way and the priest was very into education he thought that that was very important for anybody in today's society so he was the one that was always telling me you have to get an education you have to get an education so that was what was going in my head while i was sitting in that jail cell and that kind of pushed me so i told him that i was ready to do something with my life. I was ready to go back to school, and I promise I'll, I'll do what I need to do with school. So he agreed to let me move back with him as long as I did well in school, and I stayed with him. But uh, the problem was at that time, at 23, I had uh, an eighth grade level of math and a ninth grade level, or an eighth grade level of English and a ninth grade level of math. So I had to take all these remedial classes because I didn't pass the exam to get into college. I had to go mm-hmm. to a community college and take at least, I think it was like two years of remedial classes just to bring me up to where I should have been in the first place. And the, right. other, the, other problem, the other problem is I didn't learn how to study. So I had no skills. I had to start from scratch. And nobody was there to teach me. I had to do it all on my own. So it was very, it was an arduous uh Journey for me to do with with school in the first place. I didn't like it because I have a problem with authority. In the second place, I was so far behind mentally than everybody else, and I had to put in all this extra effort, extra time, extra money for all the classes that I normally wouldn't have had to taken. but along the way, I've I've learned a lot of things. And the the teachers, I told them what my story was, so the the instructors were a little more lenient with me. And they're like, okay, this is what you need to do. Kind of guided me a little bit
1: yeah, but, um, yeah. <clears throat> oh.
0: so the whole education, educational thing that was it's very very hard for me uh, going into community college in fact the first time I went in it was so hard for me because I quit everything my entire life uh, sports <laughs> if it, it got too hard I would quit and the same thing with school when it got hard I quit And uh, the only thing that made me go back is because I had no place else to go to live and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had no money. I was broke. So I was kind of forced into it, into staying in school and doing something with that, which today I'm very grateful for at the time. I didn't, I wasn't so happy about it. (laughs) um, So I got in from community college and I got accepted into a school called Southern Illinois university. And it was just a state university over here, and, again, I still had to take remedial classes with math and some other stuff. And one of my friends, actually the girl I was dating at the time, her sister was attending DePaul University. It's a pretty prestigious university here in Chicago, a private school. And she tried to get me to go to tried to take the entrance exam to get into the Paul because she didn't like the distance between Chicago and St. Louis, where the school was that I was going to at the time. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole tape recorder in the back of my head started going off again and I started saying, you know what, you're not smart enough, so why are you going to even try, so don't even. So it, it, was a, it was a struggle with her and me, of her trying to get me to even take the entrance exam. And I finally said, you know what, I'll do it. So I took the entrance exam to DePaul, and luckily for me, that year I turned 24. And DePaul had a a brand-new program for uh, adult students who have grades and uh, have life experiences. So for some reason, I really think that my mother, her spirit is really kind of guiding me and protecting me throughout my entire life because just when I really need something, not the wants that I want, like but the needs that I to grow and to take it to the next level and become a better Glad person. to become better, but,
1: yeah.
0: Right, that everything always happened for me just when I needed it. And for example, the DePaul just starting that brand new program, and me just turning twenty four to be um, eligible for that program. Okay. So I got very lucky with that. And then DePaul the said, the representative said that I'll be on probation. And if I don't make the grades, they'll have to ask me to leave or whatever. So I went into the library. I was there before the sun came up, and I was there way after the sun went down every single day, seven days a week. And I eventually brought my grades up, and I eventually became an A-B student because I really applied myself. And I found out when you you accept not to quit and keep moving forward and applying yourself to something that you – find worthwhile that's worth something to you you're always Mm -hmm. able to accomplish it and you're going to hit a lot of obstacles just like i did throughout my entire uh, tenure with school a lot of obstacles but as long as you believe in the reason why you're doing it you will always get up and you will always move forward
1: Right. I believe if you don't quit, anything that will make you better and that can potentially um, help someone else become better and at the very least inspire them, then if you don't give up, then the thing that you need, and for me, because I'm Christian, I know that God will open those doors and he'll provide a way if you don't give up. I I definitely believe that. And your your whole life is a testament to that. So tell us how you, um, because you you became very successful um, the second time around, and most of the things you did, um like modeling and being a bodybuilder and so you decided to write a book because you started having a lot of success i suppose with your own body because growing up you were squatting you were really really little <laughs> i was reading your bio and um how you you talked about that and now you you almost you have like a perfect chiseled body i saw the picture sasha so i i know what i'm talking about and i know those are not photoshop because you can't photoshop abs like that so <laughs> tell us about the motivation for your book and um, how everything just turned around for you
0: okay the as far as the physique that goes back to me being younger because i was emaciated and i was always the weakest kid and, I got bullied all the time. I got beat up almost every single day. And
1: And picked last. And, you know, when they were picking a team, you got picked last or not at all all the time.
0: Oh, my God. You had to even pick the girls before he picked me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is humiliating. (laughs) (laughs) So um, me being beat up all the time. And the other thing was I was hanging around my sisters because when uh, eventually we got out of the foster homes and we moved back in with my father And my father couldn't afford anything, so the government put us into the government um, subsidy housing, project houses. So we were over there, so there's bullies all over the place, and they always pick on the small kids, so I was always an easy target. But I was (laughs) hanging around my sisters all the time. Maybe that's why I wasn't picked for, in hindsight, maybe that's why I wasn't picked for any of the sports, because I was around the girls all the time.
1: But I was picking (laughs) up
0: female mannerisms, too. (laughs) <laughs> and like the, for example the way that girls carry their books on their hip as they walk their school books that's how what i was doing whereas most guys are just carrying the books off to the sides so i was uh, very i was uh i was very in touch with the feminine side and uh, uh, everybody can read through it most people that live in the projects are able to read other people so they could read me very easily and they knew i was an easy target to beat up on so the whole working out thing that really happened because I was going to beat up every single day and I really had to protect myself. So I created this facade that would not, that would intimidate other people from the, to leave me alone. And mm-hmm. it just got, it kind of just like progressed and progressed. And as I was, in college one of uh, i wanted to get back into modeling again and i was doing underwear and swimsuits so you needed to have a really good physique for that so i uh, kind of hung around one of the guys over there that had a that i thought was a perfect physique so he started training me and i started developing My physique even more so And started getting more and more modeling jobs Because of that So it was kind of like a chain reaction I was feeding off of Because I felt better that I was making money To help pay for my school bills And also the the transformation that I made From being that weak little boy Into creating what I have now Is that the low self-esteem The self-confidence The self-worthlessness All that started slowly Very, very slowly dissipating and I started realizing that I, that I started to become more and more confident in myself. And that was, the confidence started enabling me to be able to take on bigger projects, projects that I didn't think that I would ever be able to, uh, I didn't have the capabilities of doing. And mm-hmm. I, it's amazing how just changing your physique can change every aspect in your life. And a lot of people think that it's just a vanity thing. It is, the vanity is part a little part of it, but the inside part, just being healthy and feeling good about yourself. When you feel good about yourself, it transpires on the outside part of you. You're smiling more. You carry yourself more. And people notice that. And, you know, and I just kind of right. like on that. And that helped, that's what really helped me with my modeling, being more successful the second time around. It's because I started becoming more and more confident in myself because of what I was developing in the gym. All the everything I learned in the gym I, I put it into every aspect of my life. I learned hard work and to push myself in the gym. I learned discipline in the gym. I learned how to achieve my goals in the gym, how to set small goals and eventually reach my long term goals. I learned all that in the gym and I put it all in everything I do with my professional life, with my um, family and friends, my relationships. And it's amazing what I found the gym to be able to do for me, that most people wouldn't think that it would happen to them. Um, They don't make the connection. And luckily for me, I was able to make that connection and be able to feed off of that and be able to uh, get harder on myself, not get harder on myself, but to set higher and higher goals to become a better person with every aspect of my life. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And I love that you you know, the title of your book, Transforming Your Lifestyle, One Belief at a Time Because that that's it. That's it and it's total total totality, you have to change your belief system in order to change the lifestyle because you can um, say, I'm just going to eat better or I'm going to work out more, but until you change, and it's like replacing, like you said, the old tape recorder messages, until you change those, and that's how you do it is by changing your belief systems, that I am I am good enough, I am love. I can be successful, I am valuable, I can, you know, become a solution in the community and not just a part of the problem that's when you start changing your messages. And when you start doing that internally, then you want to um, start feeling really good. So you want your external body to look like you feel on the inside. So you start working out more. You start reading more. And I like how you said knowledge is power, but it's uh, applying that now. Knowledge is more powerful. And so you have your quotes. You have your Ten Commandments kind of Mm -hmm. things. And you're just an awesome, awesome testament to if you really want to change your life, you can. Um you should be the poster person for that for change for change and you would be an awesome poster just for that i just want to let you know well, you. <laughs> I just want to let you, you know, know. Loretta, and I'm, I'm, really I'm so happy that your your beauty and your handsomeness um is not only external but is internal as well sasha you have a beautiful spirit and i hear that so i, I can definitely tell why people you're so relatable and how you can help people change their lifestyles
0: well, thank you. And I don't know if I can handle all these compliments. <laughs> I'm blushing right now.
1: <laughs> you see, that's the old tape recorder message. <laughs> I mean, you so, the proof it? is in the pudding. I'm sorry? Look at your success. The proof is in the pudding. I'm not just saying this. You have worked <laughs> hard, and it has paid off come on now people don't allow you to be model and a model at your level just because they have you know they can't find anybody else or just because they like you that you're a good person you got to have something to show the people
0: right but what you listed I'm, I'm so happy that you said that about beliefs a lot of people don't know that what kind of effect their beliefs have on them what their beliefs about the the external environments of your world are because how you how you personally experience your world is completely different than how i do and it's all off perceptions and it's all off of what your personal beliefs are based off your experience in past life and what you've been taught and what your morals are and what your values are but beliefs it's amazing that they prove that thoughts are energy and that the way that you think about things Actually affects every cell in your body. We have 100 trillion cells in our body and it affects every one of them. And if you have negative beliefs, every one of your cells are not going to grow healthy. They're going to start mutating and that's when chronic diseases happen. And that's when a lot of other uh, ailments start to develop is through your beliefs. So if you start believing that trying to look at the good and the positive things and start believing that Things aren't quite what they seem on the outside world that maybe you could take a different perspective on what just happened. For example uh, If we both saw a car accident You would have a different story than what I would have because your perceptions of that car accident were different than my perception of the car accident And even though the same thing happened the same car accident happened our beliefs are completely different so our beliefs could be right or they could be wrong and it all comes off your subconscious level and you need to learn how to what I did is I learned how to be more in touch with my subconscious. Started going off your gut feeling. Everybody has that gut feeling that most of the time something's not quite right. It's your body, it's your your subconscious telling you something's wrong here. Start paying attention, and when you do All this right. in your gut, most of the time, 99% of the time, your gut is smarter than your brain, and that is your subconscious. And learning how to and how to get in contact and in connection with that is so important to be able to make you believe that you're a better person and that you can do things and that yourself that you're not self that you deserve everything you want in life and everything all the negative things that you have in your mind aren't true it's just mm-hmm. what you what you made yourself to believe so if you can make yourself believe the positive things you're going to be so much happier and so much successful and so much more healthy off of just those beliefs.
1: Yeah. And and one thing you said, and I wish we had more time to really touch on this because we have, like, um, 90 seconds left, but you said thoughts are energy. That was so profound. Because that's true, and I really wish we had time to elaborate on that because once people get that, once you get that thoughts are energy and you suspend energy with your thoughts, and you're sending something out to the universe, to make something happen with your thoughts, because everything starts with a thought. Oh my goodness! See, now you're talking about that's my that's when the Lorettaology comes in when I hear people that connect with that. Oh my goodness, that's cool. We'll have to talk. About, just have to come back. We'll talk about that because that's how you change. That's the only way to change, and it's to change how you look at stuff. But your your perception of you is your reality, so that's your truth right now. That's your truth, but not the truth that what God speaks about when he says how great you are, that you're more than a conqueror in the head. It's not to tell you you are victorious and all that stuff. So, wow, that's deep. That is so deep. I just hate it came at the end, but um, you're awesome. I guess
0: it's what you call the You're so awesome. You know? <laughs>
1: I got to get you to Memphis. We got to get you to Memphis.
0: Absolutely. I'd love to be there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for sharing the tough parts of your story because most successful people don't like to spend a lot of time or any time talking about the tough parts they don't want to try they want to try to forget it but you were so transparent and vulnerable and that's how you help people that's how you reach people at their core where they need to be reached and say hey this was tough for me too that was them but look where I am now and this can happen for you so thank you for, for being my guest on the Live Sasha and um, you got to come back and thank everybody for listening. You guys are so awesome. We'll see you here on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Everybody enjoy your fabulous weekend. It'll happen if you make it happen. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.